We're in a battle for America's soul. Liberty is at risk. It's time to speak up. Welcome to Brooke Talks America with author, publisher, conservative advisor, and patriot, Brooke says. For years, Brooke's been behind the scenes, helping conservative leaders articulate a vision for a better America. Now, she's front and center, and the mic is hot. Here is your host, Brooke says. Hello, hello. Welcome to Brooke Talks America, where we discuss politics and culture from an unapologetically conservative perspective. I'm your host, Brooke Says, conservative patriot, proud, deplorable, and columnist, which you can read on brooktalksamerica.com, Brooke with an E. Make sure you connect on the Facebook, all of the interwebs, Facebook, Twitter, email. Um, and if you'd like to pon- a sponsor, partner with the show and be a sponsor, let me know. Also, there is a donate button if you'd like to help this conservative message get out there. Also, we have really cool merch in the uh, in the shop. So check out the site, brooktalksamerica.com. I'm here with my co-host, Colonel Jim Warshuk, who's the former deputy director for intelligence at U.S. Central Command. He served on the White House National Security Council and currently serves as the Hillsborough County, Florida GOP chairman. He has articles on my site as well as americaoutloud.com. Lots of really great uh, in-depth analysis on national security issues. So you know the deal. From hot topics to history, you can be sure if it's happening in America, I will be talking about it. And don't you know, there is a lot going on. Lord have mercy. Um, You can listen to archived podcasts of this show on my website, brooktalksamerica.com. Also, I'm on Captain's America Third Watch every Tuesday morning at 5.30 a.m. Colonel Jim is on every Wednesday morning at 5 a.m., both on this station, Salem Media Group, on AM860, The Answer. So let's get to the jelly. We are joined today by Chris Fenton, who, among other accomplishments, is a movie producer and China expert. For 17 years, Chris served as president of DMG Entertainment Move, uh, Motion Picture Group and general manager of DM. G North America, internationally orchestrating the creative and business activities of DMG, which is a multi-billion dollar global media company headquartered in Beijing. Uh, he has supervi- produced or supervised 21 films, grossing $2 billion in worldwide box office as an author, and this is why we have him on the show specifically today. Fenton chronicled much of that work in Feeding the Dragon, His book, Feeding the Dragon, Inside the Trillion Dollar Dilemma Facing Hollywood, the NBA, and American Business. At this critical time resulting from the Wuhan Wuhan China coronavirus, I wanted to take a deep dive into how China operates and how America needs to change our relationship with them. And with that, I'd like to welcome Chris to the show. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Brooke, Colonel, I really appreciate you having me. It's an honor. Absolutely. And I just want to say, so you can go to his website, feedingthedragonbook.com. And the book is, again, Feeding the Dragon. I just bought it this morning. Um, So, Chris, you know, I've watched uh, a lot of your interviews, read your your articles and stuff, and uh, including a really great long-form one with Epic Times, which we were talking about online, offline, and where you detail... The, uh, how the communist, the Chinese Communist Party operates with regard, with regard to American business, especially with the entertainment in Hollywood and the NBA, and um, 
how these methods basically are antithetical because they have a one-party system. You know, we have a divided country now, but this process has, the, the development of China has been going on for decades now, obviously since uh, Nixon opened it. And these are really a big threat to the Constitutional Republic, which we have, because they don't operate in that way. They don't operate under the principles of freedom and liberty. And this is the awakening that you describe in your book, you know, um, feeding the dragon. I want to give you, uh, I wanted to see if you can give us a background of how you, you know, you, you, in the article I mentioned, or the interview, you mentioned that you were a globalist and, and a lot of Republicans talk about the free market capitalism and, you know, fair trade and every, or free trade and everything like that. But as we should see right now as a country, I hope this has not been fair trade with China. And you talk about that a lot in your book. So give us a little background on that. Yeah, there's a lot to uncover there, but uh, thanks for the intro and, 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 and thanks for bringing up this really important subject uh, to all your listeners. I mean, for me, it, um, the, the book for majority of it is really talking about um, sort of the colorful and chaotic journey of, of trying to get capitalism done between the two superpowers. And, and a lot of the book focuses on the years 2000 to roughly 2015. Um, which was really when the momentum got going and the money was really big. And during that time, we were all under this very, very strong mission of globalism um, that had been impressed upon us, um, probably going back all the way to Kissinger and and Nixon when they visited China back in 1972. And then we officially opened it up for business roughly around 1979. The idea was no matter what it took, we wanted to get American products and services into that country um, in order to monetize it. And if we did it successfully, it would be good for all Americans, no matter how we did it. Right. Um, you know, the idea was uh, GDP growth here in the U.S., jobs, um, cheap you know, products, soft power, soft power influence on them to someday win them over into a democratic kind of state. Um, obviously, we found over time that that idea and that mission had a lot of flaws to it. Um, for instance, they don't seem to be any closer to being a dem- uh, democracy today than they were 40 years ago. Um, we've, as far as GDP growth here, yes, we have had some top-level revenue growth in regards to global, global companies, but we haven't really created jobs. If anything, we've offshored them to China. So we've really decimated the middle class um, in response, uh, you know, uh, subconsciously, to this idea of globalism. So when Daryl Morey, the GM of the Houston Rockets, tweeted out that support for the Hong Kong protesters last October, almost a year ago, um, I sort of woke up to the fact that, wow, I wrote this memoir not really even comprehending some of the damage I did as an American, as a cog in a wheel in this system. And when everybody else sort of woke up to the idea, Americans really were just perplexed by the reaction that the NBA had towards that tweet. No one was really coming to support Daryl's First Amendment rights and his freedom of speech rights. And no one really came out and said, hey, by the way, you're right. The encroachment of the CCP on Hong Kong is wrong. Thank you for saying something. Instead, there was a muddled and fumbled sort of reaction. And then on top of it, it just looked like a, hey, he didn't mean to say that. We're, we're all good, China. Let us, let, us, let us stay in that market. And, of course, China lost a lot of face and was very embarrassed in it. And the NBA still is not broadcasted over there. It's been a huge, huge business. Wow. But that moment woke me up to the problem 
that we have had in regards to putting capitalism in front of patriotism. And we need to get back to the day where patriotism ran, runs first, and then we start thinking about free market capitalists. And if we just keep that golden rule in check and live by it, we'll be able to figure this out. We'll be able to reset, rebalance the relationship with China so that it puts American priorities, values, and principles first. Well, and that's so, I love that phrase, you know, because it is true. It's, it's, I was hoping that the Wuhan virus would actually do that now. I mean, I, I was supporting the, the Hong Kong protesters and I was, I was shocked also. I mean, what I was really stunned with is how gross LeBron James was in that situation, that he came out so strongly and he used words like ignorant and, and uninformed. And I'm thinking you're ignorant and uninformed and you talk about social justice, but yet they have a million plus Uyghurs in concentration camps among the other horrible things that they do in China. And, you know, your all of your products are made in China. The whole league is, is about China, the entertainment industry. You know, we'll get into that a little bit with the movie Top Gun and that recently brought it up again. But you know, and I, I saw you, an interview that you did with Tucker, and he's very strong about that, too. You know, the the Republican Party, you know, has t- talks about this in this abs in a lot of things in this abstract way. Oh, yeah. Free markets are going to take care of it. Capitalism is going to take care of it. But there, if it's an unfair playing field, it's not going to take care of it. And they have had I mean, they are not a developing nation, China. And yet they get all of these breaks. They're 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 cozy with the World Trade Organization, with the WHO. So they got away with lying and that Tedros is apologizing for them. All of this stuff should have been laid bare now with the Wuhan virus. And yet American, you know, the American people are not necessarily putting their vote into action by not supporting things that are either made in China and it's very difficult because it's a it's like turning away turning around the Titanic I mean this is so deeply burrowed that it goes beyond even commerce I mean you have China's China apologists both in our government with with Congress and with representatives in the military we were going to have one of the uh, California pension programs invested in Chinese stocks and bonds or, you know, their their system over there that was with the Chinese military. It's it's insane how deeply burrowed this stuff is. You have pro- professors that are arrested in, uh, you know, major universities. It's going to be very difficult to turn this around. But one of the ways to do it is to stop voting for things that are made in China or censored by China. Yeah, well, I mean, look, you bring up a lot of really good points there. And the fact is, like, part of it is we just got to come to grips that we made a mistake. Like, no one, I I look at myself and I go, well, I could look at myself as a trader that was selling out America in order to open up a market by any means possible. But the fact is, I was living under this mission and leadership that, that created this idea that what we were doing was in the best interest of all Americans. And the fact is, I was just doing what I thought was best for everybody, right? And so was everybody else. That's the thing, is that we let this rampant capitalism idea get in the way of what's best for America. And I think a lot of us are capitalists. We're all free market people. But the fact is, you can't just offshore all your pharmaceuticals that they're made in China when we don't even get along with China. I mean, at best, they're a strategic competitor. 
We can't just decouple from them. We have way too much going on with them. But the fact is, anything that's a national security issue where we have supply chains relied on that country is just a stupid fool's errand. We got to stop that. And then on top of it, to help them build their own infrastructure and industry so they can compete with us, or the fact that they have forced JVs, where we have to do forced tech transfers for them to be able to allow us to open up factories there, sell products and services, has just allowed them to steal a lot of our IP, a lot of our technological advances, and essentially duplicate what we do best. So it's really been a bad situation. And you talk about the WTO, and you talk about the fact that they're a developed nation now. That's one of my biggest things that I've been a squeaky wheel about. Like, we need to reset that the same way European, the Europeans did back in the early 1800s. Remember, we had a lot of the same policies China has against us in order to catch up to Europe during our Industrial Revolution. In fact, you could argue that some, some of our founding fathers were probably pretty good at stealing various um, technological advances that the Europeans had in order to use it here. Um, after a while, though, we did catch up to Europe. And they said, hey, enough of these protectionist policies, enough of these tariffs. You caught up to us. Let's balance the playing field. That's what we need to call out China on now. Hey, we get it. You used a lot of our, like, a lot of our techniques to catch up to us, but now you're caught up to us. You're now a developed nation. Stop hiding behind your state secret laws in order to circumvent SEC regulations and accounting practices in order to have access to our capital markets. There's a lot of things that we can do to, to move this, this whole challenge forward in a positive and constructive way that aren't super complicated. It's just simply changing designations and changing the way we regulate and operate with China. Yes, they're going to put up a fight. But who cares? This is about America. We got to think about us first here. Well, and that's, you know, that's obviously Trump has been calling this out. He was calling out Japan forever and ever back way back when, too. And he's call, he's calling about uh, China out for his whole campaign. And that's the whole America first policy. You know, it's not it's not easy to just switch all the supply chains, obviously. But we've seen, as you mentioned, with the medical situation with the Wuhan virus is that we have just a disastrous trade policy and we have a disastrous situation where you know i looked at some of the comments on some of the videos that you did and some people were complaining and and saying you mentioned a um a term called baby steps and and i thought you know there's a reason you you have to be realistic about where you are there's no utopian situation we are where we are we can't just drop everything and say, we're not going to do any business with China because that would literally be cutting our nose to spite our face. We can't do it. We're too coupled with them, you know, and we're going to get into this a little bit after the break, but you talk about a divorce. We have to, you know, we have to do it in increments. You can't just do everything all at once. Cold turkey is great on some things, but not on this because our economy is so intertwined with them. But the serious part is that the people that are supposed to be representing us in government, and I'm not talking, it's not, you know, you talk about nonpartisan stuff. It's not a partisan issue. It's on both sides. They're not calling out Google for censorship because they get donations from Google, from Facebook, from Twitter. The censorship that is happening in big tech is another cog, you know, part of this cog in the wheel is like it's all over. It's in every facet that we've allowed China to burrow into the foundation of this country, you know, from academia to entertainment to sports to tech. 
We need the people that we elect to represent us to stand up for us. And they're not necessarily doing that. I want to stop there for a second and, and have you, um, you know, ponder that thought because we are in a break. You're listening to Brook Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, here with Chris Fenton and Colonel Jim, and we will be right back after the break. More Brook Talks America coming up. to Brooke Talks America. Visit on Facebook. Search Brooke Talks. And now, your host, Brooke Says. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host. We're on Salem Media Group, AM 860, The Answer, with Chris Fenton. Um, And so with that, I just want to, you know, in order to have this happen, as I mentioned, we have to have our elected representatives actually represent us and do what they need to do to fix these problems. One of the problems, and is the media and they they are also with china bloomberg is with china you know i think half of the things half of the people that are against trump are against him because they have business interest in china that they don't want ruffled i just want to play this audio though before we get back into our discussion on when the you know the the media trump kept calling it the china virus why because it came from china hello you know and the wuhan virus and they got all crazy about that but here's a little a compilation of the media that also did that. This is all happening at a time that we're starting to see a message shift here because you're starting to hear the Republicans, especially Trump Co., calling it the Wuhan or the Chinese coronavirus. They're looking for someone to blame. Concern is growing this morning over an outbreak of a new SARS-like virus in China. At least six people have died from the Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The 34-year-old ophthalmologist diagnosed Saturday with the Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan virus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. What more can you tell us about the similarities or differences between SARS and the Wuhan coronavirus? The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus in China. The Wuhan uh, coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. From the Wuhan uh, coronavirus. Wuhan coronavirus. Fears continue to grow over the outbreak of the Wuhan coronavirus. Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus. We have new information about how the Wuhan coronavirus is spread. Now, <laughs> I just had to play that because this is another part of the problem is the hypocrisy in our media. They were calling it the Wuhan virus. But once they a heard Trump say it, they, they changed it and they started saying he was racist for saying the very thing that they just said, as you see, for a whole minute and more, but also that they got a call. You can't say Wuhan virus because it's racist from their overlords. I mean, how do we fix this problem if this is how the media and our politicians operate? Yeah, I mean, look, here's here's the bottom line. In, and you brought this up earlier. China has one message. The CCP, there's 92 million of them. They all report to the standing committee and then ultimately Xi Jinping. Everybody underneath that layer of bureaucracy carries the same party line, that same narrative. That's what everybody lives by. So there's 1.4 billion people that get that drilled into their head every single day. And that's why they're so effective at making certain moves that might be very difficult to do because they can get the weight of a whole country behind a movement. And here in the U.S., 
we're completely bifurcated. Um, in China, it's almost as if you have CNN, Fox News, Tucker, Rachel Maddow, everybody else saying the exact same party line all day long. Here, we have a bifurcated country. And unless we can rally around the common cause, uh, rally around a common challenger, or for Hawks, rally around a common enemy, we're going to have a really hard time facing this test. China is going to be very, very difficult to compete against. So we have to figure out at least with one space, one Venn diagram that we can have sort of overlap to, to get together and unify against a common enemy. I know, like, I lived in Los Angeles. In 1994, we had the earthquake. There were all kinds of crazy neighbors and stuff I didn't even know mm-hmm. existed, probably had various points of view, et cetera. But when that earthquake hit, we all ran out into the middle of the street, and we sat out there in that intersection for hours listening to the news, listening, talking about what we were hearing going on. People from all walks of life, the earthquake unified everybody in Los Angeles yep. for a given amount of time. That's what we need to see. It's like 9-11. China. Exactly. Yeah. 9-11, the same thing. Like, if anything, China could be a blessing in disguise. It might actually keep this country from going into civil war because we have a common cause. We have a common purpose. And I'm not saying I want to go to war with China. Definitely not, because that would be devastating to everybody in both countries and the world, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. But we do need to get very hard on them and create leverage through unity, through strength in numbers, and reset and rebalance this relationship properly. And like you said, to just decouple from them overall is not in our best interest. I mean, we built their market into what it is today. We were a huge, huge part of that. So let's get our money out of there, right? right? Like, let's exploit that market in the way that it can be exploited. But let's do it with patriotism as the first priority ahead of capitalism. And I promise that if we do do that, our capitalism is going to be much healthier and it's going to be much more widespread as far as the amount of people in this country who participate in the success from it. Yeah, well, and one of the things that, you know, Tucker talks about a lot is that the people that are our overlords, like big tech or like these people that are, you know, uh, funding and promoting this, you know, quote unquote, social justice movement that's in the streets is a diversionary tactic to take attention away from the fact of how mis like devastatingly they have failed us. You know, the mid like you talked about earlier, the middle class jobs going overseas, factories, whole towns that are just destroyed by that. And but it, I think it's going to I bel- I understand what you say about unity, but but that unity doesn't exist right now. And in fact, the. Daryl uh, Morey tweet is a perfect example. Before that happened, the people, you know, I'm a very active on social media. Free Hong Kong was all over the place. People were tweeting all the time. But this one subset of which is the NBA and the different, you know, owners and GMs and stuff, they took that away. I mean, there was a unity in wanting f- the Hong Kong to be free and being disgusted at what China was doing. And now, I mean, they basically took over. So, I don't, you know, I know you're hopeful and and I'm just going to give this little, you know, um, something that happened that kind of goes along with that idea. But the Jazz's Rudy Gobert, he put out on his Instagram a thing regarding the Uyghurs and the truth on the Chinese atrocities. He put out on his Instagram, it just said, wrong is wrong. And I don't believe, I checked this morning, it had not been taken down. This was after, now he's an NBA player, he's black too, so that's interesting. Um, 
because they're all, you know, a lot of the NBA players are on the BLM stuff and BLM is affiliated with China. We're not going to, we don't have time to get into that. But this was after an actor and producer, Omar Sy, also highlighted the plight of Uyghur Muslims in China with a post. So the fact that both an NBA player and a member of Hollyweird, which no offense, but that's what I call the people that are out there. Uh, hey, we're not all that. Bad. Not you, not you. <laughs> but, um, you know, there is some decrepitude that comes out of that town. But that that both of, you know, both people in Hollywood and, and the NBA have done this. We'll see how it plays out because, again, China has tremendous leverage. And, you know, as I heard in that, people really need to go and watch the Epic Times interview with you after they read your book, of course. It was so good because... Basically, they came and they shut the NBA down. As you mentioned, they're not even be able to show it. They have tremendous power and leverage. And it's, you know, money is what drives things. It, the, the real color at the end of the day is the color of green. So people are going to shut up if, they, if it affects their pocketbook unless they don't because they understand that you have, we have to ha- protect this country or you won't have the money because China will have the money. Yeah, well, I think number one is you, you, you brought up the fact that maybe I'm a little more hopeful than is realistic. And by the way, I could admit maybe that is the case, but you actually just walked into an argument that might actually argue my case, which is Rudy came out, Omar came out, Judd Apatow, the big filmmaker, came out recently oh, okay. and talked about this. Like, we're, look, squeaky wheels sure. start as lone wolves. And, yes. and then the lone wolves end up finding their they're the rest of their pack and that pack grows and grows and grows. So right now what I am trying to do, and part of it quite frankly too, has to do um, with this book that really gives an insight and sort of like a, it's very, it's a, it's a story that's nonfiction, but my wife and kids are in it and, and various friends. And there's a lot of antagonists and protagonists. I promise you, your readers will read it and enjoy it and then walk away with lots of valuable lessons that they just sort of absorb from it. It is not a preachy book by any stretch, but it gives a very good education on how we got here. And the fact is, like, that Daryl Morey tweet woke me up to the problem. And I am using the book, and the more sales it gets, uh, quite frankly, you can't make a lot of money off of books, but at least you move up these charts. And these charts allow me to pressure uh, for instance, the Washington Post or the New York Times, which had the book on the front page uh, two Sundays ago, um, the left starts to cover it more, even though they don't want to, because they're trying to hide the fact that the NBA and Hollywood has this issue, and they're all sort of part of the same team. But the fact exactly. is, it's getting hard for them to ignore it. And now squeaky wheels are starting to join, and more and more are going to come on. So I am hopeful. I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't be putting my career on hold or in jeopardy of ever coming back over something I thought I couldn't help figure out and fix. So I'm, my, my mission and purpose is to get this done, and I think we can. And like you said, it's baby steps. I have a op-ed coming out with South, uh, South China Morning Post and Politico this week about one particular baby step um, that was part of a speech I gave in Beijing two weeks ago. Um, things need to be done in sort of a, a realistic, like, let's get this done, check the box, move on to the next one. Like we talked about the WTO designation, we talked about mm-hmm. the SEC issue. Um, there are certain rights to free speech issues that we can address in order to get things done and accomplished. 
and they will all eventually lead to much bigger goals. Like, keep in mind, there's North Stars out there that we can look at, which is, hey, get back off of Hong Kong. You're in there 27 years too early. We want Hong Kong to be the same way. Hey, get those concentration camps closed down. Mm-hmm. Hey, get out of the South China Sea with these military bases. Like, there's lots of big issues we want to tackle down the road, but we got to make baby step gains to get there. And the only way to do that is for all your listeners and constituents to put pressure on politicians. Politicians need to put pressure on various business leaders and other influencers around the country. And we need to all work together to get to this goal. And people need to vote with their dollars. So a hundred percent. Yes. So, um, we could go on for another hour on this. It's really just incredible. You need to definitely check out the book, Feeding the Dragon. Go to the website, feedingthedragonbook.com. Uh, you can also see Chris on Facebook and Twitter. And again, check out their bunch of great interviews at Epic Times. I just can't, you know, recommend it enough. It's so great. It's very important to understand where we are. Thank you so much, Chris, for coming on the show. My pleasure. Happy to come back anytime. Absolutely. We'll do. We'll be in touch. You're listening to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says. We're on Salem Media Group, AM860, The Answer, and we will be right back. More Brooke Talks America, coming up. If someone falsely accused you of wrongdoing, but your accuser was actually the guilty party... How would you feel? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, we all know that a corrupt collection of leftists, including former FBI Director James Comey and Mrs. Clinton, and many others colluded together to try and slander then-candidate Donald Trump in 2016, accusing him of colluding with the Russians against Mrs. Clinton. The criminal cabal went on after Trump, after the election, with more lies. But it was actually Trump's accusers who were guilty of colluding. In addition, former Vice President Joe Biden was in charge of the Ali Obama administration Ukraine situation. Joe Biden was caught in a recording preventing former Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko from taking action against Russian forces in Crimea. A rather nice payoff for the Kremlin. Biden's son, Hunter, received a nice hefty $3.5 million payment from the mayor of Moscow two weeks before the Russian invasion into Crimea. Joe Biden and the Obama administration blocked Ukraine from responding to Russia's military invasion. The deep state cabal then turned around and framed Trump for what they did. And certain people wonder why Trump is sometimes a bit combative. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.com. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America with Brooke Says. Connect by Twitter at Talks America. Here's Brooke Says. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. That was another great Edwards notebook uh, there with Ron Edwards. And I just want to say this show is brought to you by 656 Hot Sauce. It's locally made, 100% veteran owned. Check out their website, 656corp.com. And... You know, I, I wanted to, I played that uh, great talk with Chris. Oh my God, we could go on forever. And I just want to say, we're going to be talking with Jim. Obviously, this is a pre recorded show. So we're going to be talking with Jim later on President Trump. So by the time you hear this, it, there will be probably more information. Um, and we need to pray for him and keep him in our prayers. So I want to, 
uh, you know, I played the audio of the media because they are absolutely hypocrites, as Ron says, just like so many, you know, really people on the left are. But I want to um, play this clip of Biden talking about Trump and on his comments on Trump after Trump shut down travel to China because of the coronavirus. This is no time for Donald Trump's record of hysteria, xenophobia, hysterical xenophobia to uh, and fear mongering. Yeah. Okay. First of all, he can't speak. Okay. I don't know what kind of concoction that he got the other night at the debate, but that's how he talks all the time. And you can't understand what he's saying, but he basically, this is what he's saying. So he's saying Trump is a xenophobe for shutting down travel to the country that brought us the virus that has killed over 200,000 people. And I don't think it's actually 200,000. I think they're lumping it in together, but that's another show, which I've talked about it before. However, he did what he had to do and he did it later for, uh, for Europe that's what leaders do. Okay, leaders don't go out there and just say, oh, we can't be, we can't say bad things about this country or that country or whatever. You know, there's no time for political correctness. This virus is literally killing people and now it's threatening more people, you know, including our, our president. So this is the kind of rhetoric and the kind of nonsense that Biden and the Democrats are involved with. So this, this is not someone that can be president of the United States. Plus, we'll get into it later with Jim, I believe is, you know, he's all intertwined with China and he says, Oh, they're not bad folks, folks. So they are a threat to national security. They're a threat to America and we have to do something about them. So Biden is not qualified to be president of the United States in so many ways, but I wanted to also play this um, Tom Cotton, his comments on the debate and really, really we need to understand. Okay. It's a very clear choice. It's America first or socialism. It's America first or adherence to this top-down globalist tyranny, no freedom, no second amendment, no first amendment right as I talked about, you know, earlier, no second amendment right. It will be complete tyranny. And this is what you know, Cotton said his great comments on the debate. Hugh, the Democrats are angry at the American people for not giving them total control in Washington for the last 10 years. If they win this election, they're not going to let the American people do that to them again. They're going to fundamentally alter the rules of American politics, change the nature of American government. It's not just eliminating the filibuster so they can make D.C. a state for two Democratic senators in perpetuity. It's effectively eliminating the Electoral College. And as Joe Biden revealed on Tuesday night, packing the Supreme Court as well. So they can take away your guns, so they can encroach on your right to worship God as you see fit, so they can force your tax dollars to pay for abortion, until the moment of birth and sometimes beyond it so they can take your property and give it to some giant multinational corporation. That's what the Democrats have in store for the American people if they win in November. That's why the American people shouldn't trust them with power. Can you explain why packing the court is so radical? I just had Chuck said it's happened before. It actually hasn't happened before except after the Civil War and it was destructive then it would be devastating now. To pack the court for partisan ends simply because you don't like the results of previous elections, which led to the nominations of justices whose judicial philosophies you may find disagreeable, is to turn the court into nothing but a super legislature, to impose your own political preferences on society, preferences that you can't enact through the ballot box and through legislatures. Yes, that's what they're going to do. Believe them when they say they're going to do it, because that's what they say they're going to do. Now, because I am so sick and tired of this BS false narrative about Trump and white supremacy. 
I've played it on the the show before. I'm not going to get into it. But I want to give you a little refresher Biden mashup. So he says this is why he was able to stay sequestered at home during the pandemic. American public, the blinders have been taken off. They've all of a sudden seen a hell of a lot clearer. They've seen, geez, the reason I was able to stay sequestered in my home is because some black woman was able to stack the grocery shelf. Really? He said that. So it's a black woman that store that stacks the grocery shelf. Okay. Now, besides the fact that that's racist, right? Here's what would have happened if that same black woman had said she wasn't sure who to vote for. Listen, you got to come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden. Cause it's I a, will. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more okay. questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. And why did he say that? Because unlike you, Ms. Grocery Store Stacker, Sleepy Joe thinks this. Yes. And by the way, what you all know, but most people don't know, unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about different things. Yes. There are many more gems where old Sleepy Joe puts on the fake Southern accent that even black Democrats assume when talking to a predominantly black audience. But perhaps the best one is from his own vice presidential candidate, a.k.a. Willie's side chick, who apparently gives Cirque du Soleil a run for its money in the way that she has twisted herself up like a pretzel, backflipping on the issue of Joe. This is what she said about Biden and segregationists. To coddle the reputations of segregationists, of people who, if they had their way, I would literally not be standing here as a member of the United States Senate, is, I think... um, it's just, it's misinformed and it's wrong. Does he apologize for that? He's going to have to make that decision. But, you know, let's be very clear that the, the, the senators that he is speaking of with such adoration are individuals who made and built their reputation on segregation. The Ku Klux Klan celebrated the election of one of them. So this is a very serious matter. It's pretty priceless, huh? I mean, they keep repeating the lie about Charlottesville over and over and over again, knowing he denounced it. And why? Because they're losing black voters. As I've said, probably every show, everything in 2020 that the Democrats do is because they have been discovered. They need black voters, 85 to 95 percent. They're losing a lot of them because people are waking up and that's what's happening. So you can couch everything that you see in those perspectives. I'm your host, Brooke Says, on Brooke Talks America. We will be right back to talk with Colonel Jim. More Brooke Talks America coming up. Talks America with Brooke Says. Connect by email. Info at brooktalksamerica.com. Here's Brooke Says. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, on Salem Media Group, AM860, The Answer, here with Colonel Jim. Do go to the Facebook page, Brooke Talks, Twitter, at Talks America. Email me. Check out the website and my articles. So, Jim, um, obviously, you know, the whole country got the, the most incredible shock which is, you know, I mean, it shouldn't be so shocking because a lot of people have gotten it. But the, not only did President Trump and Melania, First Lady Melania, get it, but 
just a rash of Republicans, which to me, you know, we've talked offline a little bit about we don't have that much time to get into the suspicious nature of that, but it's questionable. But at any, at any rate, so he is now still at Walter Reed. I understand he's doing well, God willing. And uh, what about that? Well, exactly. Um, and we got the medical reports this morning, and most people will probably have heard it or will hear them throughout the day. And the president is doing fine. And, of course, you watch the mainstream media oh, that's terrible. Uh, question and ask, you know, what about this and what about that? And the president's uh, medical team uh, offered their um, their position on it based on them as being um, medical professionals. And you could oh, you could see that they were trying to make more out of it or get the worst out of it. And that's going to be the narrative. They're awful. The and and I'm going to say this, and um, I'm at the point now, and I'm very uh, angry, I'm very suspicious, and you know, I may be the only one bringing this up, but I'm going to be the first one to bring it up. I really believe now, after watching and reading and looking at all the things on this, I think this was deliberate. I think the Democrats really believe that they had to do this. It's kind of like a Hail Mary play, probably not the best words to use for this when you're talking about Democrats, but it's very, very suspicious. A lot of people on social and, media and, and are I'm saying gonna the say same this, thing. And I'm going to say this, and Brooke knows this, I am the biggest opponent of the mask and everything else. I never wear it, it since the mask stuff went into effect, whether it was like March I've, I've probably worn a mask less than an hour. I push back on it. People tell me to put it on. I say, no, I'm not wearing it. Uh, only in the most extreme positions for the sh- shortest period of time, I play the game and do it. But like I said, I, have, I know for a fact I've never worn it more for an hour, and I've never got the virus. And I've been around a lot of people. So I am very suspicious. I, I would, would ask that those in, in positions to do things, whether it's uh, the Attorney General, whether it's members of Congress or the Senate that they investigate, it's awful suspicious how this all happened and how fast it happened. And when you look at what would cause this, what would make the Democrats do it, you know, we have the Supreme Court justice at play. We have wild-ranging polls, and I'm here to tell you, everybody I talk to is supportive of Trump, and I believe the Democrats know that. This is this is an effort of of desperation to do something and they talk about so much of what they want to do with the country um they're 30 they're down to 30 days and they're trying to get get something to change or cause effect um i would say the trump campaign needs to keep going stop canceling events do it put in a surrogate and keep going people are going to go out there and want to be there they're going to support trump whether he's there or not they just want to be out there to let the world know that they support him when you look at all the events he goes to, you know, the airport venues started out with a couple hundred people. Now there's 15,000 when he goes to the airport. Trump knows how to do this. People are going to go and are going to support him. So that's my position on this. This would happen here. And I, and I hope people uh, wake up to that. And I just want to say something about the mask. You know, there's a lot of, you know, different opinions on the mask. I am with you on the mask. I think it's you know, but there is, uh, I, I'm not going to play the audio, but there was a Democratic Pennsylvania lawmaker who was caught on camera saying that the masks are political theater. So, you know, the situation with Nancy Pelosi, half of the Democrats, this is why I agree with with uh, Jim on, on this, whether this was a hit or not. 
half of the Democrats are out there saying masks, including, you know, Nanny Castor in Tampa, masks, 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 and they don't wear them themselves. She gave blood in a blood mobile with no mask on after forcing the county to wear a mask. So it's it has to be suspicious if you are a logical thinking person to say, if this is such a big deal, why is it okay for marauders to go around terrorizing the city as they did in St. Pete with no masks on, you know, thousands deep, but we have to sit there and we have to, you know, we can't, we have to sit six feet apart. It's blatant hypocrisy and you have to understand that. So anyways, so, you know, you want to talk about the, uh, the you know, I talked about it with uh, the Biden mashup about this white supremacy issue is just, it's killing me. It's just so stupid. And again, I think they're doing it because they know that polling shows that they, I, I liken it to like a drug dealer. Okay, so these are, these are addicts and there's one drug dealer. And until they find a new drug dealer, they need that drug dealer. And they, that's what the, you know, I mean, I hate to liken it like that, but that's what it is. They need this vote. And they can't lose it or they're going to lose. And that's what they're doing all this white supremacy, you know, stupid stuff on. You know, we had this debate this week between the president and Biden. And the single biggest thing that came out of it was the harping on white supremacy. And I want to I want to I would ask people to go back and and look at the interview, the press conference that Kaylee McEnany did with uh, the, you know, the press corps. And that came out from. John Roberts, who's from Fox News, who I think he oh is just gosh, a, a, a big leftist, and he went back and forth with her saying that when is the president going to come out and condemn white supremacy? And we all know Kaylee McEnany is, once you put her in a corner and try to take her out on that kind of thing, she went right back at him and she went down the list of things that, uh, times that the president came out. And I mean, I wasn't even aware of how many times the president came out. There was like 20 incidents where the president, over the course of his presidency, has condemned white supremacy, and she let him have it on that. And even he said, well, I really don't think a list is what it is. And she went back at him again and saying, it's there, it's documented. And He said it, though. He's on video t- yeah. saying that Trump roundly denounced it. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, I went back and looked at myself and I said, this president has come out against white supremacy more than any modern day presidency. So you can see what the political left is doing. They're using race. This is their part of their effort to use race. And it, it is it is really their, you know, only effort. I mean, they're going to go on what, you know, different issues, but, you know, they're going to play the race card every opportunity they have. So, uh now it's off the off the the front page now because of the latest situation with the China Wuhan virus, which I always will call it that, um, and Brooke knows that. No, me too. Because um, you have to. We have to remember that it, it's not racist to say that it came from but, China. But you can see the key targeted uh, topics and subjects that they use to try to bring down this president, and and Americans just need to go back out, push back, and say, no, we're voting for Trump. I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, Independent. You got to vote for the president because the alternative is. Is not something you're going to want to have to deal with. And the debate was a hit job, too, anyways. Right. Yeah, 100%. So we have about three minutes left, two and a half minutes or so. So we have some very important stuff. You know, we need three hours to, for the show, don't we? But the DNI implicates Hillary Clinton in the least shocking thing of the century in plot against Trump. And I know you have an article on that. Yep. Uh, article on that. That's the title of the article. Uh, DNI John Ratcliffe revealed U.S. intelligence and uh, and uh, implicated Hillary Clinton. And that was in there. That was in the inf- in the intelligence information that said 
former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton approved a plan to connect and then uh, to connect then candidate Donald Trump to Russia hacking of the DNC, and then wrote the narrative for that, and that to became, divert attention from to the divert emails. attention, right? And it and the DNI released that to show that Trump and General Mike Flynn, the Russia connection, was all falsely created and implemented by Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. And I will tell you this: Barack Obama knew all along. Because he received multiple briefings from different people, whether it was James Comey, whether it was uh, Clapper, whether it was uh, uh, Brennan. Why would a president get briefed on a situation that's going on? He He was in it from the beginning. He knew about it. So, you know, this again, this revelation this week, this past week by uh, DNI John Ratcliffe, pretty much labels it there Obama was involved Hillary was involved they were all involved well and we always knew this and there's a book shattered they talk about how they came up with the, the with the plan Russia's talked about it the whole Russia hoax is a hoax right. okay we've said that forever on this show and we've been talking about it it's a hoax everything that you see is a hoax really and the fake news media is indeed fake so very quickly tell us about what's going on with Barr because that's a that's a pretty big deal it seems to have quieted down a little bit well, there's a couple things on that front I want to just make people aware and pay attention to. One, Barr told prosecutors to start charging rioters with sedition. And there's there's some articles out there I would ask people to go out and look into it. The other thing is, I'm convinced... Uh, Christopher Ray, the FBI director, he's going to be—he's on his last days. Uh, multiple situations have occurred. We had the chief of staff call him out. We had Trump call him out. Uh, so pay attention to that. That's something that's going to happen. And the final thing, real quick, we saw Flynn go before the hearing this week with um, Sidney Powell and Judge Emmett Sullivan. Nothing came of that, but Sidney Powell basically came out and said uh, Sullivan needs to recuse himself because of abject bias. So. All this is coming to a head in the next 30 days. Pay attention. Be informed. You are listening to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, here with Colonel Jim on Salem Media Group, and we will see you next week. You've been listening to Brooke Talks America with author, publisher, conservative advisor, and patriot, Brooke Says. Connect by email, info at brooktalksamerica.com. By Twitter, at Talks America. And listen next Saturday night for more Brooke Talks America on AM 860, The Answer.